Good morning. It's so good to be with you uh, this morning at the second of our summer gatherings and also our second Sunday of our teaching series on the practice of neighbouring. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Helen. I'm the family and children's team leader here. And um, over the last week in our house, we have celebrated uh, my birthday, Jacob's 20th birthday, our 23rd wedding anniversary. And then next week, we're celebrating Max's A-level results, Max's 18th birthday. Um, so we just like to cram all the celebrations into one uh, intense period rather than you know, spread it out through the year. Uh, and also in the last seven days, uh, we have marked the occasion of Sam Watson, who was just here, uh, no longer being our lodger. Uh, so that's the other thing we've done in the last week. So Sam has the uh, dubious accolade of being the lodger who lived with us during a global pandemic, uh, the lodger who we gave COVID to, um, and also the lodger who was living with us when our very aged cat finally died. Uh, and a number of our lodgers have feared that they may end up with that particular um, sort of award, uh, but alas, it was Sam. Um, so that is just a little glimpse into my family, our household, um, but in the midst of that fortnight of celebration, it is lovely to be speaking with you today. And as I said, we are in our second week of this series on the practice of neighbouring. And our Bible passage is Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. And we're going to crack straight on and read that together now. So if you've got a Bible, do turn to it. Matthew 22, 34 to 40, or you can follow on the screen behind me. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So this very short passage uh, contains some of the most well-known and well-quoted words of Jesus. And uh, in my Bible, these, this short passage of scripture even has this big, bold heading, the greatest commandment. Now, if um, in future you get asked to speak on this passage and to unpack the question of why loving your neighbor is so important to the Christian faith, uh, then I'm sure, like me, you would see that the quickest and the easiest and the most tempting option uh, would be to answer something like this. The reason we should take loving our neighbors seriously is because one, Jesus told us to. <laughs> Two, because he says that loving your neighbor is the second greatest commandment in the Bible. And three, because Jesus says that this commandment is so fundamental to our faith that all other aspects hang from it. And so as followers of Jesus, we should all really be loving our neighbors as ourselves. 
And that's it, job done, shortest sermon ever, you can all go home early. But I thought that probably wouldn't quite cut it. And so uh, I do apologize, but you're gonna be here for just a little bit longer. Because actually, I think there's another question that we need to answer here. Because if Jesus told us to love our neighbors as ourselves, and if he says that it's the second most important commandment, and if Jesus says that it's so fundamental to our Christian faith that everything else hangs from it, then why don't we take the greatest commandment seriously? Why don't we, or why aren't we, all loving our neighbors as ourselves? And that's a very different question to reflect on and a very different question to come before God with. Now, I'm an introvert processor, so when I'm preparing to preach, I take a good few weeks to uh, like mull things over, churn them over in my mind before I put pen to paper. And I tend to do that thinking when I'm walking home from work, when I'm hanging the washing out, I even do it when I'm watching TV. Um, but a key processing and thinking time for me is when I'm shopping. And in particular, when I'm wandering around the charity shops. I really don't know like, why in particular, but it, it works for me. And so the other week, I'm really, really loud. Can you take this down a little bit? So the other week, I was wandering around uh, St. Luke's in Crooks. And uh, there I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, uh, you know, why don't we take the greatest commandment seriously? You know, Jesus says we should. He, he says it's the second most important commandment, but we don't do it. Like, what's going on here? And so all the time I'm, I'm thinking and I'm mulling and I'm browsing while I'm doing that. And I come across this book and it's called How England Made the English. And I see that the subtitle is From Why We Drive on the Left to why we don't talk to our neighbors. And I think, praise the Lord. Uh, and so I buy it for the bargain price of one pound. Um, now this is not a Christian book. And um, on the blurb on the back, it says that there are chapters on the weather uh, and soil and stone, and even on the history of hedges. Um, so, if that doesn't sound like your cup of tea, though, do um, stay with me, because when it comes to the question of why we don't take the greatest commandment seriously, I have found it incredibly insightful, uh, and I'm genuinely very thankful for the godly inspiration that it's provided. And so today, we're going to look at four things that Harry Mount, who is the author of this book, um, says make English people less inclined to talk to their neighbors. And I'm going to link them to verse 37 from today's passage. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Because if our heart and our soul and our mind are not loving God first, or if they're not focused on reflecting the love of God, then we are going to find it hard to take this commandment to love our neighbors seriously. And I should also point out that I know that not everybody here uh, is English. And if you're watching online, then you may not even be living in England. But I still think that God has something to say 
to everybody, no matter what our background, no matter where we're living right now, about what it means to go deeper with this practice of neighbouring. So let's start with number one, the first thing, uh, and that's the weather. Um, so as a nation, we are obsessed by the weather, aren't we? Um, so we don't like it when it's too hot, uh, but also most of the time we complain that it's too cold or too wet, uh, today being a classic example of that, because we do live on uh, a very uh, wet and cold island. Um, but how does this impact our hearts and our minds and our soul and our ability to follow the commandment to love our neighbours? Well, because of this really cold and wet weather, we spend a lot of time inside of our houses. We wrap up warm and we, we close the windows, we draft-proof the doors, we draw the curtains, and we try and keep warm and dry by shutting ourselves off from the outside. And it's been the case uh, throughout the history of our country. And in fact, when we started to build factories, then that just made it even worse because then we were shut inside for the entire of our working day too. And plus we live in Northern Europe where in the winter it gets dark at about, what, 3 p.m.? Um, and so for long periods, we're shut away in isolation on our cold, wet, dark island. And generally, that makes us not so great at connecting with our neighbors. Let's contrast this to Mediterranean Europe, where there is a warmer climate and longer, lighter working day, a more agricultural economy, generally a more outdoors, sociable, chattier lifestyle. We're shut inside, seeing no one, waiting for it to stop raining. Our continental counterparts are enjoying coffee with their neighbors on a pavement cafe in the south of France, or you know, having gelato in an Italian piazza. That is obviously a sweeping generalization. I know that the Peace Gardens are lovely, and Lisboa, the Portuguese patisserie has just opened in Crooks, but generally, it's not the same type of vibe in England, is it? And gelato and coffee sales hadn't actually taken off in Mediterranean Jerusalem either uh, in Jesus' time, but that is still the culture that he is speaking into. It's a more outward-looking, welcoming and sociable culture because open windows and open doors and open homes led to open hearts and open lives when it came to loving your neighbor. It was a culture where you knew your literal neighbors and where you helped and supported those people who live next door to you. And last week, when we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see that when Jesus shared that parable, he was assuming that people were already loving their actual physical, literal, next-door neighbors. And that's why he gave them the challenge of taking it a step further, of loving someone who didn't live alongside them and who they didn't actually like. However, for many of us, we're not really in that place yet. 
we're not ready to take on that greater challenge because we're still at stage one. We still need to practice loving those who are nearest to us. We still need to become people who reflect the love of God to our actual neighbours, the people who live on our street and on our road or in our block of flats. So how can we take that first step in terms of taking this greatest commandment more seriously? Well, we know that the gospel is always counter-cultural. And so I think that we need to ask God to like break in and to break off this very British and English culture that says, close the doors, shut the windows, and stay inside. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring a fundamental change to our cultural heart and soul and mind so that we can unwrap ourselves from these isolated places of warmth and safety so that we can open the door, step outside and talk to our actual neighbours. The second thing that might be preventing us from taking the greatest commandment seriously is actually our house or our home. And after the weather, this is another major obsession for us Brits. Everything about our society and our language and our legal system tells us to focus our heart and our mind and our soul on our house. We're driven by the belief that by owning your own property is really, really important. And if you don't own it, then at least make sure the interior decor reflects a certain lifestyle. And we've got phrases such as, an Englishman's home is his castle, and we're taught that if you invest in property, that that will bring you financial security. And the protection of that private property is really enshrined into our laws. And we talk about house prices or how to get on the property ladder, how we can increase the value of our home, how we can improve its curb appeal. And those types of conversations, along with the weather, are like a national pastime. And if we're not doing that, then we're watching home improvement shows on TV, we're reading magazines or blogs, following Instagram accounts that all show us the type of style that we should recreate within our own homes. Now, on average, each household in the UK has spent £4,000 on home improvements since the beginning of lockdown. So in total, that's £55 billion spent on renovating or improving homes since March 2020. I should say I'm not pointing uh, the finger here because we've done that ourselves. We have decorated three entire rooms uh, since lockdown and we've got a new sofa. But why am I going on about home improvements? What's What's the link here? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. In reality, does the IKEA catalogue and the Farrow and Ball paint sample occupy more of our heart and our headspace 
and our time and our bank balance than God. Has that dream home, that extra bedroom, that better postcode, that first time buy a mortgage, has that become an idol in our lives? Do we pursue the vision of having an ideal home more than we seek God's calling to love our neighbours as ourselves? Or perhaps we use our home as an excuse as to why we can't take the greatest commandment seriously or why we can't engage with it anyway. We can't invite a neighbour around because the lounge is too small, we haven't got enough seats, um, or we need to decorate to make things more presentable before we have guests. Or perhaps it's that pile of dirty laundry or the kids' toys strewn all over the floor and you think, this isn't just really the type of image of the ideal home that I want to portray. In 1905, the cultural attaché at the German embassy in London wrote this. The Englishman sees the whole of his life embodied in his house. Here in the heart of his family, self-sufficient and feeling no great urge for sociability, pursuing his own interests in virtual isolation, he finds his happiness and his real spiritual comfort. In over a hundred years, has very much changed. Are our hopes and dreams embodied in a house? And does our spiritual comfort still really come from the home that we've created? If we want to take the greatest commandment seriously, it may be that we need to go through a period of being spiritually uncomfortable first as we lay down those idols of the ideal home, and instead take up a call to love our neighbours as ourselves. Now the third thing, number three, that stops us from loving our neighbours are hedges, fences, and walls. And so ever since medieval times, English gardens have uh, always had these private spaces that were fenced off from neighbours with strong walls, high hedges, sturdy fences. However, that fencing and barricading isn't just seen in our gardens, it's seen everywhere in our society. And it's more to do with our desire for privacy than it is about any actual physical wall. And that's why in pubs and restaurants, we have glass screens and booths so that we don't have to interact with anyone else. And our humor, well, that's based on banter and sarcasm because it prevents intimacy and it stops the sharing of any private information. And we have this complex system of manners and what's considered polite. And we do that and we can just keep everybody at arm's length. And then we have curtains, we even have neck curtains on our houses just to stop prying eyes and to keep our lives private. And in the 19th century, there was a French aristocrat and he wrote, the English detest being seen. 
We're obviously not living in the 19th century anymore. But as I've been reflecting on why we don't take this commandment to love our neighbors seriously, I think that desire for privacy, to not be seen, is still really a leading beat in our lives. But the 21st century equivalents might be phrases such as, I just need some space. I'm having a bit of me time. I'm peopled out. And in his book, Mount says, the need for privacy is locked into the English soul. But Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbors as yourself. So how is our soul when it comes to our neighbors? Is the desire for privacy locked in and our neighbors locked out? Last week at the evening, uh, 7 p.m. summer session, we sang, spirit break out, break our walls down. Do we actually mean that when it comes to our garden walls and hedges and fences? Either the real ones or the ones in our heart? What might it look like to abandon privacy and to love our neighbors as ourselves? And if you want to reflect a bit more on this whole hedges and fences aspect of neighboring, then I would really recommend that you listen to week three uh, of the podcast, not because Lucy's wasn't great last week, not because Pete and Joe aren't going to be great this week, but in week three, Ben and Emily Rapley um, are chatting to Alan and they genuinely have a hedges and fences story that encourages us to abandon privacy and to pursue relationship instead. So do listen to that. And then the fourth and the final reason why we don't take the greatest commandment seriously is because of our love of decision-making and being in control. So as a nation, we generally dislike change and we have an opposition to being told what to do. So historically, we haven't been invaded since 1066, uh, and we haven't experienced any civil war or revolution since the 1640s. And so we haven't had to change or to take on another culture or a different way of doing things. And whatever we think about our current government, uh, we also don't tend to vote politically for extreme left-wing or right-wing uh, parties. Um, who might have a tendency towards dictatorship or totalitarianism, because generally, we don't like being told what to do. And so in our general psyche, we have this idea that we can just do whatever we want, whenever we want, wherever we want. And that same type of thinking applies when it comes to where we live. So if we talk about why we chose to rent a particular place or buy a certain house, we say things like, we needed the extra space. We loved the garden. We really wanted to be in a particular school catchment area. The open plan design suits our lifestyle. And it's all about 
our decision-making and our control over where we want to live. However, would we take the greatest commandment more seriously if we changed our heart and our mind and our soul? Not to think we chose to live here because, but instead to say, God chose to place me here because. Mark Powley spoke about this two weeks ago. He talked about us being kingdom influences on our streets and in our neighborhoods. And he said, and I quote, God has put you exactly where he wants you to be. This is why you are there, in case you're wondering. So God placed us on our roads and on our streets, in a particular block of flats, a certain hall of residence, for a missional purpose. And that's why we should take the greatest commandment seriously. Because God placed us exactly where we are in order to love our neighbors. And if that's the case, then what work does the Holy Spirit need to do in our hearts, our minds, and our souls for us to be able to say, I'm taking the greatest commandment to love my neighbors seriously because I'm not living in this house because it has an amazing island unit in the kitchen. And I didn't choose to rent this flat because of the cheap rent and the amazing views over the city. I'm living here because God chose to place me here to be a good neighbor and to love these people as myself. So loving our neighbor is so fundamental to our Christian faith because it's a reflection of where our heart, our mind, and our soul are at. We might find it hard to take the greatest commandment seriously because we've allowed our hearts to become closed or wrapped up by the culture and the attitudes around us. Or perhaps, rather than our soul finding rest and comfort in God, we've made an idol of our homes and our desire for privacy. Maybe we need the Holy Spirit to do some rewiring in our mind so that we can recognize and acknowledge that God has placed us exactly where we are in order to love our neighbors as ourselves and to be an ambassador for Christ. So wherever we're at with that greatest commandment, what is the practical next step that we can take this week? The thing that God has really laid on my heart is the small block of student flats on our street. Now, we know the names of lots of people on our road, and we know quite a lot about their lives and their situations. But when it comes to those three or four flats, it's like we've built that invisible fence or wall that we connect with everyone else on the street, but not them. And God has really challenged me about that. So that's me. 
what is it for you? Are you going to be an ambassador for Christ by picking up litter in the gutter or baking a cake for another family? Perhaps you're going to add a few more names to the street map that we started to draw and to pray over last week. But actually more than that, you're going to ask God for an opportunity for deeper conversation, to learn more about your neighbours and not just keep people at arm's length and on first name terms only. Maybe you're really struggling with this whole topic of neighbouring. I need to connect with someone in your six and say, can you pray with me about this? Whatever it is, let's all commit to taking this greatest commandment more seriously and look for ways in which we can love our neighbours as ourselves.